0: Okay, if you have your Bibles, let's begin with Luke chapter 18, verse 1. I've been preaching on prayer, prayer the key to heaven. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, and I've been starting with this, starting with this um, passage each week when we begin. Then he, being Jesus, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray and not lose heart. Pray and don't quit. Pray and don't give up. Amen? John chapter 16. If you'll turn right in your Bible to John. John chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day, Jesus says, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. I'm going to give you six keys to effective prayer this morning, and let's just hit the ground running and rush right into them. Amen? Key number one, pray in the name of Jesus. First key to effective prayer is to pray in the name of Jesus. Legal grounds for praying now as a born-again believer in the church of God, we pray To the Father, in Jesus' name. We pray to the Father, in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name. Jesus' name isn't just like a magical word. It isn't just an abracadabra that we sprinkle on at the end of something. His name represents who He is. Who is He? King of kings, Lord of lords, Lord of the universe, all authority in heaven and earth has been submitted to Him. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're praying in the authority and in the name of His Lordship. So He has the power to do anything. And so when we call on His name, we're invoking the, author- the greatest authority in the universe. So we pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. And it represents our submission to His Lordship. Because to use the name of Jesus, you need to be under the authority of Jesus. To use the name of Jesus, you need to be under the authority of Jesus. So if you're in the family of God, we have a family name. That is the name of Jesus. And if you're going to be using the name, you better be in the family. Hallelujah. I just had a man tell me in the first service, he said, I have a brother that looks just like me and he has an, he has an account at the Edenton coffee house. So I can go over there and buy anything I want because I have the same family name and we look alike, act alike and talk alike. So if you're in the family, you have the family name, you better be acting like and looking like and talking like Jesus, and you can have the resources that heaven has. Amen? In the Bible, there's a, there's a story of seven sons of Skeva in the book of Acts who went up to this demon-possessed person and tried to cast the demons out of this person, but yet they weren't walking under the authority of Jesus' name. And so the demons cried out and said, Jesus, They said, we, cast, we, we adjure you, come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the demons responded and said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And the demon-possessed person ripped their clothes off and sent them away embarrassed. Hallelujah. How many knows... That if you're going to use the name, you need to be in the family under the authority of that name. Uh, uh, You know, no no glory to Hans whatsoever, but a few years ago we had something happen here that I thought was kind of cool. We know demons lie, right? But nonetheless, sometimes demons tell the truth. So we had a demon, a person who manifested demons in the, the altar service one day, and a bunch of people started praying, and then they finally took this individual to a side room outside just so they could... Get down further into prayer, and somebody mentioned, Go get the pastor. And the demon spoke out of this person, and they said, No, don't go get the pastor. The spirit of revival's on him. And I thought, Yes, I'm known in hell. Hallelujah. I'm known in hell. Hallelujah. I, love, I want to be known more in heaven, but I'm glad I'm known in hell too. Hallelujah. Don't you, want to, don't you want to get up every morning and the devil just be like, oh, gee, they're up again. you got to give me a break. And you're just ready to do damage to the kingdom of the enemy every morning that you wake up? Come on. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You can pray in Jesus' name. You can speak things in Jesus' name. You can declare things in Jesus' name. You can cast out demons in Jesus' name. You can heal the sick in Jesus' name. You can baptize in Jesus' name. You can declare his authority and preach his word in Jesus' name. You have power in the name of Jesus. Years ago I was as a college student, I was studying one night on, on my bed, and I was living in an apartment with another uh, brother who was a student, and I was in my room alone and fell asleep face forward on my bed. And then I woke up some point later, and I realized that I was completely paralyzed. I couldn't move. I could only look around. I could and I tried to speak and I couldn't speak and it felt like something was just pressing on me like an oppression. And fear shot through me. And all I remember was I began to think the name of Jesus. And as I began to think the name of Jesus, I was able to speak. Then I was able to speak the name of Jesus and this force lifted off of me when I could speak the name of Jesus. You have authority in the name of Jesus against any power that comes against you. You have authority to cast it out in the name of Jesus. Because the demons recognize that authority. They know the authority of Jesus. They know the one who's already defeated them. So when we pray, we ask in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, you've not asked anything in my name, but after this, you will ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Second key to effective prayer is just as I've been preaching all year long, simply believe. Simply have faith. Have simple faith that what you pray, first of all, is God's will. Find His will. And then when you pray it, believe that you'll receive it. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe first and then you will receive afterwards. Not, I'll believe it when I see it, I'll believe it and then I'll see it. Not, I'll believe it when I see it, but I believe it and then I will see it. Whatever things you believe when you ask, ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Because often we get caught up and fouled up sometimes in actually what is the will of God. Because James says we don't receive sometimes because we ask amiss. We don't ask in the perfect will of God. So I believe it is God's will that we know His will. Now some people use this prayer, well Lord, uh, not my will but thine be done. Because that's the prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. But that wasn't used. He didn't use it because He didn't know the Father's will. It wasn't used like that. He used it as a prayer of consecration. He knew what the Father's will was. He knew He was going to go to the cross. He knew He would have to die. He knew He would have to suffer. But His flesh was crying out, Father, I know Your will, but if there's any other way this could happen, let it be some other way. But nevertheless, it's not what I want. It's your perfect will that needs to be done. And therefore, I submit myself 100% to your will, Father. So that your will be done is a prayer of consecration. So when we come before the Lord, it's our task to make sure we know what the will of God is. So when we pray for something, we should have Scripture we're standing on. Or we need to get into the presence of the Lord and seek His will about a certain situation. Pray in the Spirit. Pray until you have a sense of what His will is, and then once you know that, go for it, and then simply believe that what you're praying has been heard by the Father, and the answer is on its way. Now, I don't I don't have a problem with us praying for things more than once. I've been praying for years for some things. However, let me just throw this out to you. What if at some point, we didn't, what if at some point we could pray, ask the Father in confidence, and then rest assured that He is heard and the answer is on the way. And then from that moment on, just begin to praise Him for the answer. Think about it. Just think about it. I, you know, some of the most effective prayers that I think I've ever prayed in my life that I've seen God move is when I had a real sense that, oh, this is it. I know what God wants in this situation. And then I go and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that You do this. And I ask that You do this. And then it's like I could feel ringing heaven's bells. And then I stop and say, thank You that it's done. Walk away in faith, knowing that I'd touched heaven. And in that situation, let me stretch you. I don't think it's personally necessary that I go back and try to beg God into bending His will down to satisfy my request. Or I don't think it's right that I go try to convince a God who really doesn't want the best for me, but I'm going to try to talk Him into just giving something a little bit good to me. I don't think that's the picture of the Father that Jesus gives us in Scripture. He says, you have earthly fathers, you have an earthly judge, Who won't answer a a widow's request, but yet she goes and pounds him and she's so persistent that eventually the judge will say, okay, have whatever you want. Jesus said, your father isn't like that. Or how about the stingy neighbor who won't get up in the middle of the night even to give a a loaf of bread to his neighbor because they've had some visitors come at night. But he said, yet through persistence, that Sleepy neighbor will even get up and give you what he wants, what you need. But yet your father is not like that. And if you be an evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God is willing. He is He is setting on go. I think God delights when we come into His presence. I think He's like, oh, here He is again. Yes. Let's get it on. Let's commune in the Spirit. Make your request known. Bring it boldly before me. I think God loves. I think our problem is not that. um, I think our problem is sometimes we don't pray and ask for things big enough. Because we've reduced God to our mentality. Or we've placed God in the box of our faith. Instead of opening the doors and saying, God, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to pray some 100% prayers. Sometimes we come to God and we pray those, I'll believe you for 25%, Lord. Or maybe if you just bless me to get through another day, I'll believe you for 50%. How about let's just take the lid off and believe God for 100%. That's, pretty, that's, good, that's good stuff. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life. I started praying that. I started praying that. I started praying over my grandkids. Satisfy them, Lord, with a long, prosperous, blessed, Holy Ghost-filled life. Let them see. Let them let their floor be the my ceiling. Let me carry them in on my shoulders and set them off at the next level, and live a long, satisfied, and blessed life, touching many. Let them go do ten times what I've done in this life. I'm gonna shout over that. Come on, somebody, hallelujah! Come on, look at your neighbor and say, simply believe. All things are possible to him who believes. Simply believe all things are possible. Remember when Jesus came off the mountain where he was transfigured and he comes into a valley, and here's a man who has a son who is demon possessed, and the disciples couldn't cast the demons out, and Jesus goes up and he asks, What's going on here? And then the man says, well, I have my son and he's he's possessed with a demon and it often casts him into the fire and I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. But Lord, if you can do anything, please help. I love it. Jesus looked at him and said, if you can, just believe. So if you can do anything, Lord—oh no, 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 no—time no, out. If you can just believe, this is where we fail. Man's man's reduced theology of God, man's messed up theology of God. God, if you could do anything, I think God's saying, "Take me out of your little box." If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Oh, somebody shout, hallelujah, all things are possible to him who believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Simply believe. Third thing, third effective key to prayer, you got to forgive everybody. Or as y'all would say down here, everybody, you got to forgive. Everybody down here, you got to forgive them. You can't walk with unforgiveness in your heart and have a clear path to receive from God. Jesus said, right after Mark eleven twenty four, 24, ask and believe, and then you'll receive. The next verse he says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Heavenly Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. That's a strong verse. So if you want to receive forgiveness from God, you've got to forgive others. What you do affects what heaven does. What you do affects what heaven does in your life. You need all of that out. You need all of that covered so God can open up the windows of heaven and bless you. If you walk around with unforgiveness in your heart, you shut the door on the blessings of heaven. So forgive and let it go. What's in another's person's heart can't really hinder you. But what's in your heart concerning that other person can definitely hinder you. Amen. So get it all out. And you say, yeah, but Pastor Hans, I would forgive, but I just can't, I just, I just um, I just can't feel it. I just don't feel like forgiving. Well, don't don't worry about that right now. Forgive by faith. Just forgive as an act of your will. Say, Lord, I forgive so and so in the name of Jesus, and I let them go. And I bless them now, and you have your way with them, Lord. And then once you do that, feelings will come later. But some of y'all, you've seen me do this before, but I learned this from Karen Wheaton. But some of you guys may need to go get a chair and get in your kitchen, because kitchen's where the real conversation takes place. And set that person in the chair that you need to forgive in Jesus' name. In an imaginary way. And just talk. So I forgive you hurt me. You came against me. You spoke against me. But you know what? I forgive you. And I let you go right now in Jesus' name. That doesn't mean you have to let that person back into your life and have the same authority they had in your life before, you may need to set boundaries for that person now. Because some people believe, well, I can't forgive because that means we've got to go back to the same old, same old. No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. You need to set healthy boundaries in your life. And if somebody's a, a, a herder, then set boundaries for them. and say, But that doesn't mean you have to walk in unforgiveness. It doesn't mean you need to duck and hide when you go in Walmart. Because once you forgive that person, you're free. It's up to them now to walk in the forgiveness. they got to find their own way. You walk and you're you're clean now. You're forgiven now. And you can walk on. And if you see them in Walmart, you're like, how you doing? Bless you. I'm going to the dairy aisle where they're having a party over here. Hallelujah. And you can just be free and walk free of that. Come on. And then the father smiles is like, "Okay, boys, unload all that dump truck of forgiveness and blessing that I've been waiting to pour out on them. Now they've opened up their heart and we can let it roll." Oh, come on, give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Use the name of Jesus. Simply believe and then forgive everybody. Forgive everybody. Third, third thing. I'm going to go through three things right here that all deal with the Holy Spirit. Now, third, the fourth, uh, fourth key to effective prayer is you need to pray in the Spirit. You need to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Turn with me. I got several verses here. I want you to look at. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, verse eighteen. Ephesians 5.18, Paul is talking about the perfect will of God for our lives. I will get there eventually. Ephesians five eighteen, 5.17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You should know what the will of God is. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So what is God's will for you? Be filled with the Spirit. What is God's will for you? Be filled with the Spirit. What happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What happens when you're filled with the Spirit is God puts a song in your heart. He blesses your life. You know, uh, when you, I, this is the way I, I see it that when God calls you to Himself, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and convicts your heart. Because one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. So He comes and He starts knocking on your heart's door, bringing conviction. You start feeling like, oh my gosh. I remember like my mom, when she first started coming back to church, I invited her back to church, and she was raised in church, but had gone away for many, many years. And when she finally came back and started attending services, we literally lived about two, three miles from the church, or maybe five at most. But she said, Hans, I was afraid to get in my car and drive home from church. Such conviction was settling on her. And she knew she just something wasn't right. She had to get it right. And so, thank God she got it right. But the Holy Spirit comes and He knocks and He starts convicting. And then Jesus said, no man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws him. So not only does the Spirit go out and convict you, but then the Holy Spirit starts drawing you to the heart of the Father. Then when you come to the Father and you open up and repent of sins, Jesus comes in and how does He come in? But by His Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and regenerates the dead spirit man in you. And then Paul says, unless you have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. Unless you have the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. And we're made alive by that same Spirit. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now quickening our mortal bodies, Paul said. It's in us now. He is in us now. Jesus said, if you open up your heart, me and the Father will come and dine with you and dwell with you. How do they do that? By the Spirit. So when you're born again, you're born of the Spirit. So you're born of the Spirit. And then the Spirit starts working in you, but yet, as, as I've taught for many years, there is another realm, there's another depth. There's a deeper depth. There's another level that you can go to when the Spirit of the Lord, when you open up and allow the Spirit of God to explode in your life. When you allow the Spirit of the Lord to take you and baptize you. The term baptize means to take under and fully immerse. In the ancient Greek, secular ancient Greek way of using the word baptizo, it was was used of the sinking of ships That they would go all the way down the depth. God wants to not only, He doesn't want you to live a surface life with the Spirit of the Lord in you. He wants to take you to the depths of the life of the Spirit. He He wants the Spirit of the Lord to explode in your life. We call that the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when you're baptized in the Spirit, when you allow that release to happen in your life, What happens is God gives you the ability to communicate with Him through the Holy Spirit. And that happens as He gives you a language to pray in. Oral Roberts called it a prayer language. I love that term, that God gives you a prayer language. And it's private. It's between you and the Father. Births of the Holy Spirit. I've often said it's like the bat phone in the old Batman. You remember, so I grew up on Batman in the 70s. And that was the, yeah, that was the pow. And that Batman had a red phone in the bat cave. No, it was connected only to Commissioner Gordon over in the mayor's office. And if he needed to call and if and and there's trouble in the city, Commissioner Gordon could call and it directly went to the Batcave and nobody else could pick up on it. Yeah. Hallelujah. We have a Holy Ghost language. That we can pray in, that the Spirit of the Lord sends directly to heaven. And I really believe the devil has no understanding of it. It's, it's my belief. I don't think the devil, I mean, he understands other languages. And if God gives you xenoglossolalia, or you're speaking in other languages, maybe he can pick it up. But I don't think he knows the language of heaven. His is out of date. Somebody shout hallelujah. World War II. Our messages were being intercepted as we were fighting the Japanese in the you know, Asian theater of war. So we had to figure out a way that we could communicate without the Japanese intercepting it. And they found the Navajo Indians had their own language. And their language wasn't written. So they got the Navajo guys to come and start sending the top secret messages. And the enemy couldn't decode it because he didn't know it. God gives you a Holy Ghost language. And I believe when the Bible talks about praying in the Spirit, I really believe it's what it's talking about. Let me show you. Praying in the Spirit, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse, uh, at the end of Ephesians, we read chapter 5 verse 18, but when you get down to the end of the book of Ephesians, chapter 6 verse 18, it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying always with different types of prayer and praying with supplication in the Spirit. Dr. Malky used to always teach that was praying in tongues. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying. And then if he, then the Bible says in Romans, likewise, Romans 8 verse 26, the Spirit helps our infirmities. For we do not know how we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So we come, we're searching for the will of God, we're trying to find the will of God, and then sometimes we just come to the end in our knowledge. And at that point, the Holy Spirit comes, and He starts praying through us, and He prays the perfect will of God because He is God, He knows the mind of God and he searches our innermost thoughts and desires and wishes and he knows everything about us. So when we pray in the spirit in our prayer language, we're praying out of the depths of our soul to the depths of God's being, praying the perfect will of God for our lives. And you might be praying for somebody else. And not know it. Bert Clendenin, great Assemblies of God preacher, who was, he uh, he had a heart condition years ago, and he's preaching revival after revival after revival. And he said, uh, his doctor told him, said, You have to rest and you have to get this right. And he said, Okay, I'm going to, but I got one more revival I need to preach. So he said he was out preaching that last revival, and he had a massive heart attack in the pulpit and fell dead. Now he said, what was weird was there was a nurse who came there and examined him and knew he was dead. But he said, I was still hearing everything they were saying. And he said, I heard my wife come and I heard her voice over top of me and the people around said, all she did was pray in tongues. But he said, what I heard was, God, don't let this man go. He needs to take care of this family. We need him here in the name of Jesus. He heard it all in English, but she was praying it in tongues. He came back too. His story's awesome. He came back too, and he told his wife, load me up in the back of the station wagon, take me to a motel, and drop me off, and come back after me after a period of time. And if if you don't hear from me, I'm dead. But he went in that hotel and he said he just began praying and began reading the Bible in Genesis. By the time he got over in Psalms, he said the Holy Ghost came in that room. He felt a hand reach down in his chest cavity, squeeze his heart several times. He was completely healed, jumped up, broke the bed slats, shouted out into the hallway, healed completely by the power of God, went on, and as an 80-year-old minister, planted several thousand Bible schools all over the, all over the world. Awesome. Can somebody shout amen? Amen. Come on, it means something to pray in the Holy Ghost. It means something to pray in tongues. It means something to pray in your prayer language. I heard a story of an old saint who was in a, in a dark parking lot and these guys surrounded her and they were going to you know, mug her or whatever. So she just started shouting as hard as she could and praying in tongues. And she looked up and they were all gone. So there you go. Just thought somebody needed to hear that today. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. Paul said, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Come on, everybody say, my spirit spirit prays. prays. So when I pray in a tongue, my spirit is praying. It's not my mind praying anymore. It's my spirit praying. So he says, when I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind or my understanding is unfruitful. So what's the conclusion? What am I to do? If it's unfruitful, should I even fool with it at all? Then he says this, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Now here's the deal. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where Paul is addressing the church in Corinth that had a misuse or an imbalance in their use of spiritual gifts. And he's telling them to have more order when they come together. And he's saying, if some of you are praying in tongues, why don't you pray for the interpretation? Now, he doesn't forbid praying in tongues. He just says, if you're praying in tongues, why don't you just pray for the interpretation? And so in that context, he says, I will pray with the Spirit I will pray with the understanding. And the term understanding in Greek is this term nous, which means mind, but the translators didn't translate it that way. And I think they had it right. They knew the context. It wasn't just, I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray with my mind. It was, I'll pray with the Spirit and then I'll pray with the understanding, possibly, of what I'm praying in the Spirit. Listen to this. This just changed my thinking on this. I will pray in the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding of what I'm praying in the Spirit. I will sing in the Spirit, and then I will sing with the understanding of what I'm singing in the Spirit. So we thought that interpretation was only a gift for public use, that when someone publicly speaks in tongues, it needs to be interpreted. But I want to challenge you to pray for it in your private prayer life as well. Because pray, pray that God gives you understanding in your private prayer life. I read this years ago when I was a young Christian about Smith Wigglesworth. He's praying for the interpretation of tongues. And then later on, as I studied the life of Oral Roberts, he really became an advocate of this. Pray in the Spirit and pray, pray spend time in the Spirit praying in tongues. And then start praying in English. And then pray in tongues and then start praying with English. Kenneth Hagin said one time he was praying in tongues and doing this and he just pray in English. And he wasn't prophesying, he was praying. He said he was praying in tongues and all of a sudden he came out in English and he was praying for a girl. He was praying for someone. Come to find out God was really moving in this girl's life, but it was out of his prayer in the Spirit that he came into English and was praying. Pray in the Spirit, pray with the understanding. So God wants to unlock His will in your life. God wants to unlock the, the, the decisions you need to make. He wants to give you direction. He wants to give you the, He wants to unlock the future. How is He going to do that? By studying the Word, immersing yourself in the things of faith, and then praying in the Spirit and praying with the understanding. Is anybody in this church? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. Four, for uh, verse two, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However in the spirit he speaks mysteries. So when we pray, we're praying into the mysteries of the spirit. And then he says he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Forbid not. Speaking with tongues, he said in the same chapter. So what he's pushing for is in a public setting, it's better to prophesy because that's coming out in the language of the people. But I'm not forbidding you to speak in tongues. I'm just saying if you do, how about praying for the interpretation? Now, I believe like the old school Pentecostals, and I believe it's just, I just see it in Scripture plainly that there are really two different types of tongues. Tongues. One is a private prayer language that God gives you that is open to every believer in the body of Christ. Why? Acts chapter 2, they were all filled with the Spirit. They all spoke with tongues publicly, out loud, in one place. Acts chapter 10, they were all filled with the Spirit of Cornelius' household. They all spoke with tongues, all publicly, all in the same place, out loud. Acts chapter 19, when Paul laid hands on the Ephesian church, they spoke in tongues publicly publicly, all at the same time, out loud, because he's hearing them. And Luke's recording it. And so there's, there's when we come together as a church, if you get near me on the front row, I'm going to be praising the Lord, and then sometimes I'm going to be praying in my prayer language. Because it's me. It's my worship to the Lord. Now I know I don't want to disrupt the service and take over the service and come and do a whirly gig in front of the church. And pray loudly in my tongue and shut everybody else down. I'm not doing that. But I am praying in my prayer language. I got so much country in me, it just keeps coming out. But but sometimes I'm leading the service. The Lord has given me command of the servant. Sometimes I'll pray in the microphone in my prayer language. And I have friends that have problems with that because of 1 Corinthians 14. But my deal is there's been a history of that in Pentecostal movement. And I know that if I feel led, I just pray in the Spirit. It encourages you to pray in the Spirit. And if we're having an a, a, a altar call, sometimes I'll pray in the Spirit just to prime the pump so everybody else is encouraged to be free to pray in the Spirit. Not only that, I felt specifically led at times to pray boldly in tongues in the microphone and had people come back and testify later that as I was praying in tongues in the mic, they were getting messages in English. I, I have those testimonies. Wild. God does some amazing stuff. And Paul said tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. How's an unbeliever ever going to hear that sign if he doesn't hear it? If somebody isn't stirring it up. You come to one of our prayer meetings with our staff or come to, come. oh yeah, we're having prayer Friday night, by the way. Totally forgot this in the early service. But Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we're fasting this week. It's prayer and fasting. And I want to encourage you to fast. And Friday night, we're going to come together. And we're going to have a time of communion and prayer. And we'll do it at, let's say, 630, because I don't know the time. <laughs> so now what I say becomes law. It's going to be 630, Friday night. <laughs> Write that down. We're going to come together. We'll just have worship music playing. We'll pray. And then we'll end that with, with a general prayer and then communion, okay? So y'all be Fasting and praying with us Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, pray about breaking barriers specifically. Pray that God really breaks some barriers. Can we shout amen? But if you come with me, I'm going to be praying in the Holy Ghost. That's the way I came up. It's the way I learned. I was around the Heflins. It's the way they pray. I was around H. Richard Hall and that crowd. It's the way they pray. It's the way I came up in the Holiness Church. It's the way we pray. We prayed in the Spirit. We prayed in the Spirit. We went to battle in the Spirit. We went to interceding in the Spirit. Now I've got all of these theologically trained, supposedly politically correct, supposedly guys that want to say, no, we should never do that. Well, you know what? I feel like that lady in the old Wendy's commercial. Where's the beef? Where's the fire? You want to get all correct with that? Well, show me the fire then. Well, on, hallelujah. I could tell story after story. Dr. Vincent Simon used to tell the story that years ago in, in the history of Pentecost, there was this, this old school country preacher and he was preaching and he'd be, every now and then the Spirit of God had hit him and speaking speak in tongues. Then he'd preach a little bit more and the Spirit of the Lord had hit him and he'd speak in tongues. Well, there was a Polish guy who had come into the back of the church and every time that preacher would pray in tongues, he heard in perfect Polish, Jesus is for Polish people too. So there is a private prayer language. There is also a gift of tongues that is meant for the public use, the public edification of the body. When that happens, there's a there's a there's a normal way of the spirit You'll hear someone pray in tongues and the congregation will go silent or go quiet. We'll wait for that person to finish. And then if I'm leading the service, we stop everything and we wait on the interpretation to be given. Now the person who's speaking can give the interpretation or someone else inspired by the Spirit can give the interpretation. And usually when that gift operates in the body, tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. It sounds a lot like a prophetic word. Uh, A few years ago, uh, we were worshiping in the church here and the worship hit kind of a lull and there was someone who gave a message in unknown tongues. And then that same person was given the interpretation of that message. And there was a young couple sitting near that person. And they were visiting the church for the first time. And you always think, oh my gosh, do they think we're crazy or, you know, are we going to bring out the snakes next? I mean, what, what did they think? But you know what? We, someone talked to that couple afterwards and they said, you know, we, we liked the church and everything. But when we heard that other language come forth, we looked at each other and said, God's in this place. Jesus, do it again. Jesus, do it again. Jesus, do it again. Jesus, do it again. What the world needs is more demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit. I mean, I don't think it's antithetical or against church growth or evangelism. No, I think it's pro-evangelism. When we let people see miracles, signs, wonders, demonstration of the Holy Ghost, tongues and interpretation, prophetic words, gift of discernment, words of knowledge. When these things start happening, somebody realizes, oh my word, there's a church that God is actually in and God is actually moving in power. Take the doors off and open up the windows and make a way, make an open in heaven Lord and let more of the Holy Ghost pour forth let there be a greater demonstration of your power let there be a greater level and rising of the Holy Ghost in here somebody give him a shout amen ah hallelujah hallelujah come on just wave and say more Lord come on we want to see more God Yes, pray. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Number five, intercede in the Spirit. What's the difference? I think there's an intercession. The Spirit Himself intercedes through us, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. And I believe what that means is He pulls us into the whole intercession of heaven. And that sometimes you're pulled aside to a season. Or a certain time of prayer. And I think we should pray out of discipline, obviously. But also there are times when God will pull you aside into the river of what He's doing in that moment. I remember years ago, riding with my pastor down the... Uh, down the road and we had been taught we were just talking about revival and talking about the move of God and how we were hungry for God and we wanted to see him move in our church and we wanted to see him show up like he did in days of old and we were telling stories we had have heard of the old great healing evangelists and we're like God we want to see that in our day and then I remember he dropped me off at the the foot of my parents driveway and this is in the winter time and he did that because it was snowing and so I, I, I walked up this steep driveway in the pouring snow, and I felt like if I didn't pray, my heart would burst. It felt like a, almost like it was beautiful, but it was like I was just blanketed with this, this presence like you have to pray. And so I just went into prayer and went into intercession. And this went on for a while. And then we started seeing an outbreak in our church of the power of God. We started seeing guys get saved. I mean, people come out of rough situations and get saved. Many of those same guys were called into ministry and went out of that church into ministry. And it was a great revival and move of God. I believe I felt the intercession of the Holy Spirit in the whole thing. I felt I believe I was pulled into the river of what God was doing. Allow him to pull you into the river of what he's doing. We've been talking about I, I know that we I feel in my spirit we need to do something here physically. I feel we need to blow out some walls, build a new building. We need to well, I think we need to go to the next level and push it. Not just be, I would love to have us all together for one service so there would be no time hindrances to moving in the spirit but if God, if we build a 1,000-seat sanctuary and God fills it, we'll gladly go to two services, Lord. We'll go to three services for whatever it takes to accommodate people, but I would love to have us all together. So we've been talking about this, and as we, we were pushing into this, we talked to an engineer who gave us some different scenarios of how we could do this, and then I said, okay, okay, pause, pause. What we need right now is some Holy Ghost people to start praying. What well, we need some intercessors to really begin praying who can prophetically hear the voice of the Lord because we need to hear what God is saying. And if we hear what He's saying, the rest is just work and numbers. Because if we get in the center of His will He's going to provide the finances He's going to provide the people He's going to open the door He's going to have the seasons He's going to make a smooth path before us as the psalmist said but we've got to find that so the most important work is the work of prayer and intercession and flowing in the Spirit and I want to get into the river where He's flowing I don't want to be over on the riverbank watching all the faith people roll down the river I want to be right in the middle of it, right where He is, right in the center of His will. Can somebody shout hallelujah? Pray in the Spirit. Intercede in the Spirit. And the final thing is, you, when you do that, you start building your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. But Jude verse 20 says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So when we start praying in the Holy Spirit, we, our faith starts growing. We start interceding in the Spirit. Our faith starts growing. We read His Word, stay immersed in good teaching, and then pray in the Spirit. And it starts growing, starts growing, starts growing. I love the Holy Spirit. I love praying in the Spirit. I love it. You say, well, we love it too when we come to church. No, I love it all the time. Yeah. Dana and I were in Nashville this week and uh, we w- we went to eat sushi. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> After eating sushi, walked out on the street and I saw a couple coming that had some physical problems. And we were walking down the street and I just and, and we were with a friend of Dana's and I just... I just kind of left them and went back. And I said, Hey, guys, I, I pastor a church uh, in North Carolina, but could I pray for you? They said, Sure. And, and you know, it's one thing to pray, it's another thing to pray in the name of Jesus. So I just started praying, and I started praying in the name of Jesus. Then I walked away, and I said, Well, Lord, I was obedient. We'll see. I believe something good's going to happen by faith, something good's going to happen for them. And then I started praying in tongues. And I started interceding in the Spirit. Sushi didn't break that down in me. Hallelujah. (laughs) You can pray in the Spirit in a restaurant, you can pray in the Spirit at work. It doesn't mean, well, I got to get out of the Spirit over here to where I can live in the real world. No, the real world, the Spirit is with you in the real world. Building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Holy Ghost. This may sound weird to you guys, but used to years ago, you know, before I'm saved, walking through the house, hit your toe at night in the dark on the coffee table. Whatever's in you is coming out your mouth. Out of the heart proceeds. Now, I'm serious. I start praying in tongues because what's in me starts coming out. What's in me starts coming out. There's trouble. We start praying in tongues. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got in a situation this week where we were trying to get something to work and I kind of got nervous because I thought, this is not working. Then I stopped and thought, no, in Jesus' name, I'm going to pray and it's going to work. And it's like fear just left and the thing worked in Jesus' name. Step out of that fear. Step back. Start praying in the Holy Ghost. Lord, you let this thing work. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I release my faith right now. Let this thing work in Jesus' name. Start praying over your kids in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they need, I, I, had, I knew someone who raised their, they, I'd heard that my, my daughters knew someone who had been raised in a family and their mother and dad, I guess, were filled with the Spirit, but she said, I never knew it spent 18 years at home before going to college, never knew her parents were Holy Ghost-filled. Something wrong with this picture. You need to be praying in the Spirit to where your kids hear you pray in the Spirit. They need to know my mom and dad are moving in something supernatural. I mean, they're smart people, they're good people, but my gosh, they tap into something that's heavenly. They have something working in them that's from the other side. Hallelujah. The si- tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. When I first went to church, I went into this holiness church and I remember them. They were praying in tongues. And I had a friend with me who said, do you hear that? And I said, what? And my friend said, they're praying in tongues. I said, what? What is that? And my friend said, well, they're, they're this way, my friend, my friend said, they're so close to God that they can pray in another language. I thought, wow, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Then I went to a, a church even further back in the woods where we had to cross a, a footbridge across a creek to get to this little church and went up there and I saw this country mountain man. And I'm talking country with a capital K. The Holy Ghost hit him, and he fell out on the floor and started praying loudly in tongues. And it sounded like f- perfect French, or, or even at times maybe a Slavic language with rolling his R's and everything. And I thought, What? It's like, it's like the reporter who went to Los Angeles, California to the original Zusa Street meetings. He walked in and he came to criticize the meetings. And a couple of things I remember about his report is he said, one, he saw a crippled girl with her legs crippled walking to the altar. And as she came to the altar, the closer she got, the more she walked straight and was completely healed. And it blew this reporter away. And then a lady stood up and gave a message in tongues just a California lady, this is 1906-ish, and said after the meeting, he walked up to her and he said, Lady, I studied Russian in college. And where did you study? You spoke the most beautiful Russian I'd ever heard. She said, I've never been out of the state of California. I don't know. I only speak English. I don't know what you're talking about. But the Lord was giving it to either she was speaking in perfect Russian or the Lord was giving it to him in perfect Russian. I could go on all day. I took our church in D.C. down to a Hispanic church in uh, Newington, Virginia, and we had this combined service one time. And the Spanish church was probably 300 people. And at the end, I had some of my prayer people go up and pray for the, the Spanish people. And at the end, there was this lady from New Jersey in my church, and she said, I was praying for this lady, and I'm just praying. I'm praying in tongues, praying in the Holy Ghost. And afterwards, the, 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 the Spanish lady said, thank you. How did you know? you prayed everything that i'm suffering with and going through she said i'm praying in tongues that lady's getting it all in spanish she said i don't i barely know ola taco whatever but she was getting it all in perfect spanish cuz she was praying in the spirit key to heaven unlocking heaven Come on, stand with me. Thank y'all for listening. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus Wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, Give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.